Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. If another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, no, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So if you happen to live in Germany at the very beginning of the 16th century, you would have experienced the world as judgmental and harsh. Authority was not just respected, it was feared. The authority of the church, the authority of princes, the authority of God, it all incited terror in the people's hearts. People were scared of going to hell or that their dead relatives would be stuck in purgatory. And because the church at the time had a bit of a cash flow problem, there was a monk by the name of Tetzel who went about selling indulgences. And basically, this is how it all worked. The church claimed authority to forgive sins and to withhold forgiveness, and thus claimed power to limit the amount of time that one spent in purgatory. And so, for the right price, the church would pray to get you, or maybe your dad, into heaven a little bit more quickly. In fact, Tetzel even had a fun little slogan he'd shout in the streets trying to get some more customers. As soon as the gold in the casket rings, the rescued soul to heaven springs. Now, why do I tell you this? Next month, I'll be announcing a building project here at St. Michael's. And Tetzel has given us some good ideas on how we're going to pay for it. I'm kidding. No, I just need Tetzel to set the stage for a different monk by the name of Martin Luther. Because Tetzel made Luther mad. And Luther had a different message. The gospel, he said, was a gift a complete word of total and complete forgiveness. And the point of faith, Luther said, was to trust in this gift and to know that it could never be taken away. And what Luther and so many others have observed is that only as we receive this forgiveness into the depth of our heart does the same divine forgiveness flow out of our heart and into the world, and that the forgiveness of God is actually the ground from which everything we love and value is born. Justice, mercy, creativity, joy, generosity, the foundation of all these things, their very root is God's complete and total forgiveness. Now, I know that's a really nice idea, but it's not how most of us experience life. 
As Einstein purportedly said, common sense is nothing more than a set of prejudices that most people acquire by the age of 18. And when it comes to life, to how things really work, we certainly have our collective prejudice. We see revenge, blame, and punishment as a precursor to justice. We think that being hard on ourselves and other people is necessary and effective. We consider some people as being more worthy of scorn than others. And the whole point of today's gospel is to remind us that none of this is true. That life actually doesn't work that way at all. And to do this, Jesus tells us a parable about a slave. And just for fun, we'll go ahead and call him John. And John owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, one talent was the equivalent of seven years' wages. And so 10,000 talents, if you do the math, is about $3.5 billion. And John doesn't have $3.5 billion. John made some bad investments. And so the king forgives the whole debt out of sheer pity, even though justice demanded that John and his entire family be sold. But the king loves mercy. The king loves forgiveness. This king loves people. And so John walks away, his entire debt canceled. Well, the next day, John remembers that his buddy Frank owes him 100 denarii which is about $200. And when Frank can't pay, John grabs his throat, and Frank, we're told, begs for mercy. He pleads with John to give him more time, but John doesn't listen, and John throws Frank into prison. Now, this whole scenario is obviously absurd. I mean, who in their right mind after being forgiven a $3.5 billion debt, would ever ruin a person's life over $200. And what not one of us wants to hear is the very thing that Jesus attempts to say. We would. And we do. That from God's perspective, this is what we look like whenever we choose to nurse our anger and hold on to grudges and when we take joy in watching anyone suffer. In fact, the Germans have a funny word for this, schadenfreude. It's a word that captures what they see as the universal impulse to find satisfaction in the suffering of people we don't care for. For instance, there's a public figure you don't like, and a story breaks revealing that he has secretly been behaving in a way contrary to the values he espouses. There's a public fall from grace. The true story is revealed. What do we feel as we watch this unravel? Schadenfreude. We feel a little glee, or maybe we feel a lot of glee. And one of the questions that we are confronted with today is why? Why is it that we feel that glee? And why doesn't John just forgive Frank the $200? Or even better, go to the king, borrow some money, and buy Frank a steak dinner. And what I'd like to suggest 
is that the answer is very simple. John doesn't really trust in the king's forgiveness at all. He doesn't believe that it's real. And so with that said, I want to make two very quick observations about today's gospel. Because remember, the word gospel literally means good news. And that is precisely what today's parable is. It's good news. And so two things I'd like to say to help us see this good news with a little bit more clarity. First, I understand that on the surface, today's parable appears to paint God in a very harsh light. John, after all, ends up being tortured when he won't forgive Frank's $200 debt. But here is what I'd like to suggest. This handing over of John to be tortured does not reflect who God is, but rather how God seems when we haven't fully trusted in the king's forgiveness. I mean, again, who in their right mind doesn't forgive a $200 debt after a $3.5 billion bailout? And the answer, of course, is no one. The point being that John is not in his right mind. He lives terrified that the king is going to change his mind, that the king's forgiveness is just a trick. And that mercy, love, and generosity don't accurately reflect who the king is. And to see life in this way, to see God in this way, is torture. And so the harshness here isn't who God is, but how God appears, how the world appears when we consciously or subconsciously believe that forgiveness is. For suckers. And then point number two, and this is really, really important. Today's gospel is not a commandment to forgive. It is not a command to forgive, but an invitation to believe. The forgiveness God seeks must flow from the heart. Jesus is very clear about that today. And the only way this can ever happen is if God's forgiveness first finds a way into our heart. And friends, that only happens by grace and through faith. And so can we believe that the $3.5 billion debt has really been canceled? That our king has absorbed this cost himself by dying on a cross in our place? And that God is so generous and so kind and so loving towards us that God will willingly invest in us again as many times as it takes. How many times will God do this before God says enough is enough? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus says, but I tell you 77 times. In other words, forever. And as we receive this unconditional forgiveness into our heart, this same divine forgiveness then flows out of our heart, and it becomes the ground from which everything we love is born. Justice, mercy, creativity, joy, generosity, the foundation of all these things, their very root is God's complete and total forgiveness. 
That's what we're invited to believe. And so are we willing to trust the king's promise and to let that forgiveness put us in our right mind? Now, I know that forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation, nor does a commitment to forgiveness mean that we live our life with poor boundaries. If someone is negligent and ruins your business, you very well may need to take legal action. But the question is always, where is our heart? Because the good news of the Christian gospel is that God's heart is with us, and that this heart became human in the person of Jesus Christ to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to forgive us, not to teach us how to love, but to pour love into our life. And as we take that love in, as we learn to trust in this ever-present love, in time, it literally becomes the only thing we know. And when that happens, forgiveness is no longer a choice. It's who we are. And that's why I think of old Tetzel selling those indulgences, and I also get a little mad because he went around selling people the one thing in life they already had that could never be taken away, the king's forgiveness. Amen.